Section 5 of From the Darkness Cometh the Light, or Struggles for Freedom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. From the Darkness Cometh the Light, or Struggles for Freedom, by Lucy Ann Delaney. Chapter 5 there's a joy in every sorrow there's a relief from every pain though to-day tis dark to-morrow he will turn all bright again before the sheriff bade me good-night he told me to be in readiness at nine o'clock on the following morning to accompany him back to court to hear the verdict my mother was not at the trial she had lingered many days about the jail expecting my case would be called and finally when called to trial the dear faithful heart was not present to sustain me during that dreadful speech of mr hutchinson all night long i suffered agonies of fright the suspense was something awful and could only be comprehended by those who have gone through some similar ordeal i had missed the consolation of my mother's presence and i felt so hopeless and alone blessed mother how she clung and fought for me no work was too hard for her to undertake. Others would have flinched before the obstacles which confronted her, but undauntedly she pursued her way until my freedom was established by every right and without a questioning doubt. On the morning of my return to court, I was utterly unable to help myself. I was so overcome with fright and emotion, with the alternating feelings of despair and hope, that I could not stand still long enough to dress myself. I trembled like an aspen leaf, so I sent a message to Mrs. Lacey to request permission for me to go to her room, that she might assist me in dressing. I had done a great deal of sewing for Mrs. Lacey, for she had showed me much kindness and was a good Christian. She gladly assisted me, and under her willing hands I was soon made ready, and promptly at nine o'clock the sheriff called and escorted me to the courthouse. On our way thither, Judge Bates overtook us. He lived out a short distance in the country, and was riding on horseback. He tipped his hat to me as politely as if I were the finest lady in the land, and cried out, "'Good morning, Miss Lucy. I suppose you had pleasant dreams last night.' He seemed so bright and smiling that I was imbued with renewed hope, and when he addressed the sheriff with, "'Good morning, sir. I don't suppose the jury was out twenty minutes, were they?' And the sheriff replied, oh no sir my heart gave a leap for i was sure that my fate was decided for weal or woe i watched the judge until he turned the corner and desiring to be relieved of suspense from my pent-up anxiety i eagerly asked the sheriff if i were free but he gruffly answered that he didn't know i was sure he did know but was too mean to tell me how could he have been so flinty when he must have seen how worried i was at last the courthouse was reached, and I had taken my seat in such a condition of helpless terror that I could not tell one person from another. Friends and foes were as one, and vainly did I try to distinguish them. My long confinement burdened with harrowing anxiety, the sleepless night I had just spent, the unaccountable absence of my mother, had brought me to an indescribable condition. I felt dazed, as if I were no longer myself. I seemed to be another person, an onlooker, and in my heart dwelt a pity for the poor lonely girl 
with downcast face, sitting on the bench apart from anyone else in that noisy room. I found myself wondering where Lucy's mother was and how she would feel if the trial went against her. I seemed to have lost all feeling about it, but was speculating what Lucy would do and what her mother would do if the hand of fate was raised against poor Lucy. Oh, how sorry I did feel for myself. At the sound of a gentle voice, I gathered courage to look upward, and caught the kindly gleam of Judge Bates's eyes as he bent his gaze upon me and smilingly said, I will have you discharged in a few minutes, Miss Lucy. Some other business occupied the attention of the court, and when I had begun to think they had forgotten all about me, Judge Bates arose and said calmly, Your Honor, I desire to have this girl, Lucy A. Berry, discharged before going into any other business. Judge Mullenfee answered, Certainly. Then the verdict was called for and rendered, and the jurymen resumed their places. Mr. Mitchell's lawyer jumped up and exclaimed, Your Honor, my client demands that this girl be remanded to jail. He does not consider that the case has had a fair trial. I am not informed as to what course he intends to pursue, but I am now expressing his present wishes. Judge Bates was on his feet in a second and cried, For shame! Is it not enough that this girl has been deprived of her liberty for a year and a half? that you must still pursue her after a fair and impartial trial before a jury in which it was clearly proven and decided that she had every right to freedom i demand that she be set at liberty at once i agree with judge bates responded judge mullenfee and the girl may go oh the overflowing thankfulness of my grateful heart at that moment who could picture it none but the good god above us i could have kissed the feet of my deliverers but I was too full to express my thanks. But with a voice trembling with tears, I tried to thank Judge Bates for all his kindness. As soon as possible, I returned to the jail to bid them all good-bye and thank them for their good treatment of me while under their care. They rejoiced with me in my good fortune and wished me much success and happiness in years to come. I was much concerned at my mother's prolonged absence and was deeply anxious to meet her and sob out my joy on her faithful bosom. Surely it was the hands of God which prevented mother's presence at the trial, for, broken down with anxiety and loss of sleep on my account, the revulsion of feeling would have been greater than her overwrought heart could have sustained. As soon as she heard of the result, she hurried to meet me, and hand in hand we gazed into each other's eyes and saw the light of freedom there, and we felt in our hearts that we could with one accord cry out, Glory to God in the highest, and peace and goodwill towards men. Dear, dear mother, how solemnly I invoke your spirit as I review these trying scenes of my girlhood so long ago. Your patient face and neatly dressed figure stands ever in the foreground of that checkered time, a figure showing naught to an onlooker but the commonplace virtues of an honest woman. Never would an ordinary observer connect those virtues with aught of heroism or greatness, but to me they are as bright rays as ever emanated from the lives of the great ones of earth, which are portrayed on historic pages. To me the qualities of her true steadfast heart and noble soul become a constellation and is tracked in heaven straight away. End of section 5. Recording by James K. White. Chula Vista.